Fualsha, 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 Akhar Jagil, and welcome to this week's episode of the Rebel Matters podcast. This week's guest on the show is Cork-based music producer and hip-hop artist, Crackboy Mental. If you're already a Crackboy fan, then he's not going to need much of an introduction, but if you haven't heard of Crackboy Mental before, then you're about to get a backstage pass to one of Ireland's most prolific and underrated hip-hop artists. In this episode, we talk about how Crackboy got into hip-hop in the first place, his process for making and producing music, how a lot of his music got taken down by the Garda Cyber Unit and the impact that his autism has had on his musical career. And we also got into a discussion on the general awareness that we have around autism in day-to-day life. Crackboy has a cult following and his music ranges from the lighthearted, such as the song Polo's His Life, to the more hard-hitting songs that can be found on his latest album, Crack Magic. All of his music can be found on Spotify, but more importantly, it's also on Bandcamp, which is a platform that allows you to listen to music, purchase music, purchase merch, and support the artists that you like the most in a way that makes being an artist a much more sustainable practice. Also, as a small addition to that, the first Friday of every month is Bandcamp Friday, where all of the money that you spend on Bandcamp goes directly to the artist. Bandcamp waive their fees on Bandcamp Friday, so it's the first Friday of every month. And it's a good idea to pick an artist that you've been listening to or that you'd like to support and go over and check out their Bandcamp on Bandcamp Friday. Anyway, I really enjoyed this chat with Crackboy. And before we get stuck into the episode, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has been supporting the Rebel Matters podcast over on Patreon, which is the platform that allows you to support us by becoming a patron and helping us to keep the Rebel Matters podcast on the road. Very recently, we launched two additional tiers of support. So the tiers of support now range from three euros a month to 30 euros a month. And they're all named after our favorite native Irish trees and all have a little gesture of gratitude attached to them. So if you want to find out how you can become a patron of the Rebel Matters podcast, then you can go over to patreon.com forward slash rebel matters and without further ado let's get stuck into this episode of the rebel matters podcast with crackboy mental Crackboy, thanks a million for joining us on the podcast, first of all. Thank you for having me. I know that there's a lot of people around Cork and further afield who are going to be buzzing to, to hear you talking about your art and what you've been up to recently. And um, w- when I was just getting ready for the, for the chat here, um, one thing that I just knew that I wanted to ask you, first of all, is how you ended up getting involved in hip hop and rapping in the first place. Uh, I suppose I was always kind of into hip-hop, like it was growing up, it was the only genre of music I was kind of into, you know, I, I wasn't like 
into metal or pop music or whatever. I always liked hip hop, kind of, kind of New York style hip hop, you know, like uh, Big L and Nas and all the kind of old East Coast uh, hip hop. That's what I would have grown, uh, been growing up listening to. And then, like, uh, yeah, when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Uh, I started making hip hop myself around that time. Then I would have been more into kind of uh, southern US hip hop, kind of like Three Six Mafia and uh, Memphis kind of hip hop. So uh, that that kind of is what inspired me to start making music, and it was like a good uh, outlet to put all all the energy I had backed in into. You know? So did you just kind of decide yourself one day? I can do this as well. And then just started writing down some lyrics and put music to it. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I, I kind of, I spent like maybe two or three years kind of looking at the Irish hip hop scene and like, just like figuring out what, what were people doing that was working? What were people doing that wasn't working? And, you know, just, just like seeing where I could, you know, come in with something unique and different. So, you know, when when I first started rapping, you know, my my thing was kind of like I felt like there was a lot of rappers where everything kind of revolved around the lyrics, but the kind of hip hop that I'm into is kind of more the vibe. So I was I, I was trying to like bring a vibe more than be like the best lyricist or the best rapper. You know, I'm like a producer first. Like I started off making beats a few years before I started rapping, so I kind of like. You know, I'd make a beat and then I'd just try different things with the rap and eventually I'd put a few online and, uh, yeah, caught, caught a few people's attention. Who were the main influences from the Irish scene back in the day whenever we were getting started? Uh, I like uh, Rob Kelly. Uh, I don't know if you heard of him. He's a Wexford rapper, but he, he'd uh, he'd have done tracks with, uh, you know, Memphis Bleak, he's kind of, he'd be uh, Jay-Z's protege. And he, he was on like a, a US kind of hip hop reality show as well. So I like uh, Rob Kelly, the Rubber Bandits as well. Like, uh, I think they're hilarious. Like, I like, uh, like I had their their first album. What was it? The, 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 I can't remember the name of it, but I always like Rubber Bandits and Rob Kelly would probably be two off the top of the head that I thought were really good and what what was the name what was the first song you put out uh what was the first, I think it was called uh, Dripping Like a Sponge and do you remember how, like how, a... how it was received when it when it hit like when it went out there first um I, I can't remember how but uh, there's a lad called Naive Ted up in uh, Limerick part of the Limerick scene and uh, he, he he somehow came across it on SoundCloud I I think I was just kind of like every other artist where I just like added everyone in the scene and then just like put it on Facebook and people were like, oh, who, who's this? And just clicked on in. People thought it was it was funny or whatever. So that's that's kind of how, you know, that's probably the first track that people heard from me. You see what you're saying there about people thinking that it's funny. It just reminds me of something that I was meaning to ask you about uh, that um, I kind of thought of when I was watching your self-made documentary, uh, Death of a Polo Man, which I think was made about three or four years ago, was it? Yeah, a few years ago. It's not, uh, not the best uh, best documentary, I don't think. That um, but what's really interesting is the is the kind of um, the the commentary that you're doing on on, the st- on your kind of career to date through it. And one of the things that you mentioned was that 
in your experience that a lot of the journalists that you were talking to didn't really get what your message was or didn't get your art or your music, but that other artists did get it? Yeah, yeah. So why do you think that is? I don't know, you know, uh, like, I I think half of it is that, you know, Irish hip-hop has kind of had this stigma for years of, you know, people not being able to take it serious. And I think, like, if you're going down the kind of comedy route or whatever, you know, some journalists kind of look down at that and feel like, oh, you know, you're making a show of the scene or whatever, you know. And that's kind of like, I think think they just want Irish hip-hop to be seen in a serious light and, People like Crack by Mental are kind of like, uh, you know, throwing a spanner in the works. So, yeah, that, that's probably, I mean, some journalists do like, I, I think it's more like, you know, when, when, when you have a wave around you or when like, when people see that, like, you know, you're building a bit of momentum, all the journalists want to write about you anyway. Like, you, you know, if you look in Nile or Nine or District, like they've all done big articles and stuff. It's just like, getting those same journalists to support you when you're not like the, you know, hottest thing in, in Cork, you know, that's, that's where it's kind of harder to get people to write about you and stuff. It sounds kind of similar to the, the kind of way that people, um, like a lot of people thought about the rubber bandits at the very beginning. Yeah. Was it kind of like, just like kind of a novelty actor or whatever? Yeah. He even said that himself, like blind boy was kind of like, when I put out uh, Cork City Anthems back in the day, you know, he he was kind of around that time talking about how people didn't take him serious as well because uh, of the kind of, you know, comedy stuff he'd be having. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think people should just live and let live. And if, if something's connecting with people, just be happy that it's connecting with people, you know. And I, I, you know, in my opinion, like, if, if you're a serious hip-hop artist, like, you're you're... No matter where you're from, if you're if you're that good, you you will like push on. You know, I don't I don't think other rappers, you know, going down the more comedic route is holding you back. I think that's just an excuse uh, some people like to come up with. It's important to make the differentiation between music that's using comedy or satire as the method of delivery and music that's like a novelty and like a novelty act that's kind of like a joke because you're it's not like a joke, but it is using comedy. Yeah, definitely. I I think like even if you look at people like uh, TPM, like they they like you could say they're comedy, but like they they have you know messages in their stuff, and you know I I think like the best in Ireland, like Ireland is a place where like you know if you're too if you got too big an ego or you're you're too uh, you know full of yourself, people kind of look down on it. You, they kind of like the self-deprecating kind of artist because that's you know, that's how Irish people are built to like, you know, connect with people who self-deprecate themselves. So definitely, I think like if you want to get a message across, a political message, I think comedy is like the best avenue to to put it across. But do you have an an, under, an underlying kind of message that you're looking to deliver with, with your art? Um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, like I progressed a lot. Like when I started off back in when I was like, what, 18, 19, like I, I I didn't give a shit about any of that. But like now that I'm, uh, you know, in my mid twenties, you know, you become more mature, like you grow throughout the years. And now like, uh, uh, you know, with, if, with the last project, Crack Magic, that might be the first like project that's like fully just kind of takes itself serious, like just fully like has a message. Whereas before, you know, you might see, 
you know, I've got a track called uh, Vape Till the Year 3000, which is basically about social housing. I've got a track about Fuck Fina Gael, Fuck Fina Fall, which is basically, you know, just fuck the government. But like Rack Magic, is got, that's a conscious record, in my opinion. It's not a, not a comedy record. Cork City Anthems, that's, that's just pure comedy. You see, whenever I was listening to Crack Magic, um, I was thinking, like, in a way, it kind of is an advantage to you then that you're kind of, uh, like, slit outside the mainstream in a way because you're just basically not pulling any punches and you can say whatever you want. And I, I was thinking there then, like, is that another reason why maybe some of the mainstream media don't kind of give you the the time, the airtime or the attention or to take you seriously, as, as you were saying? Because the message... And a lot of those songs, especially on Crack Magic, it the kind of kind of like it can be uncomfortable to listen to when you sit and listen to the lyrics and the message behind them, and the, like the seriousness of the, of the message, like you're talking about social housing and all, like and uh, talking about the government, talking about like Amazon and Elon Musk and all, and things that like people that yeah. are held, that are held kind of like in a high standing kind of mainstream society, and then you're like having a proper dig at them, like yeah, like. Uh, like uh, people you know if if they don't want like conscious stuff you know then you know just go back and listen to my earlier stuff which is just pure comedy and there's like nothing nothing like there's no political insight or anything on it but you know it's like as I progress as an artist like uh, in some ways I'm like my own biggest fan like I want to see evolution in my music so you know, maybe people still want me to be making, you know, polos is still still life or they want me to make another 50 tracks about polos. But for me, like, I, I want to progress and, like, do different stuff and just be more creative. Yeah, in a way, I can, like, uh, not to be going back to the rubber bandits again, but I heard Blind Boy talking about whenever they released Horse Outside and then everyone was like at the gigs were like play horse outside play horse outside and then they were becoming known for just this like for this one song and then that they nearly like i think that they released that song spastic hawk after that and then it was kind yeah. of to shed the shed some of the the kind of like real drive for just comedy so that they could like progress themselves on kind of like in a similar way that you're talking about there yeah well i'm lucky enough that i've never had like that Polos' life was never as big as like a horse outside. So I kind of have, you know, I have Polos' life, but it's not like much bigger than the other songs I have, you know. So at least I'm not pigeonholed with just Polos. Yeah, the um, other thing that I wanted to ask you about just from uh, was something that you mentioned at the kind of beginning of uh, Death of a Polo Man was that it, like that you're kind of, experience of living with autism and getting involved with an organization in Cork that kind of there was one of the things that helped you helped you kind of as a stepping stone in the kind of starting off your music career and I just kind of wanted to ask you about about what that experience was like yeah like uh, when I finished school or whatever like uh, I didn't do a great leaving search like I, I wasn't I always knew I wasn't going to college afterwards so uh, like basically all I did all day was just hang around my mum's house doing nothing apart from making beats so going to you know there's an organisation in Cork called Aspect which is for like adults with autism you know and my mum was kind of wondering what, what what's up with you know what's up with him because I was like getting in a lot of trouble and stuff and just stupid things so she kind of got me 
diagnosed when I was 18 and it turned out that I had like autism and stuff. So like from there, I just got connected in with a, a group in Cork City called Aspect and uh, they were kind of like, right, what do you like to do? And then they just they just gave me like some direction and yeah, that's that's kind of just how how I kind of fully got invested in the music. But do you find that your autism gives you a unique perspective in some elements in life? Oh, definitely. It makes me think outside the box. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm probably never going to fit in, you know, to the Irish music scene, whatever, whatever scene or wherever. I probably never will fit in. So it's like that worry's kind of out of the way so I can just be myself and think, you know, think of whatever I want to do and I just do it. Having autism, has it been like a, in, in some ways, has it been a difficult experience? Like when you're just going about your day-to-day stuff, like the way that people treat you, has it been differently? Yeah, well, it's like it's something that I'm realizing as I, I get older. Like when I didn't know I had autism, I just thought like, oh, I'm just like very weird. You know, maybe I'm a bit slow because I had like, you know, I I found out when I was 18, I had a dyspraxia as well, which is a, a learning difficulty. So like when I was in school, like I was always like the slowest writer and stuff. So the teachers like w- would always almost be making jokes about it and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think like with autism, it's more like the stigma around it and how people treat, you know, autistic people more than the disability itself. That's uh, that can be uh, detrimental. What kind of form does that stigma take? Well, it's just like you know, if you, it's more the traits. Like people with autism have certain kind of traits. You know, they they might make eye contact, or you know, they might be. You know, just a little bit more socially awkward, you know, might say the wrong thing here or there. And it's also just like, you know, sensory issues is a big thing as well. You know, like a lot of autistic people, like if if they're in crowded areas, like in a town, like I come from Cork City. I live in in West Cork now where there's like, it's just peace and quiet out in West Cork compared to Cork City, which is just like, by the time it'd be 11 o'clock in the day and by the time I got the bus into school, like I'd be wiped out and that, and that'd be from sensory issues that, that, that's a, that's a trait of, of being autistic. How have you got so much stuff out in the last say year or two? Uh, like, well, uh, the last year I would say it's probably been the quietest time in my career nearly like back when I was 18, 19, like I said before, all I did was hang around my mom's house. I put out, I put out like, I think, like I put out nearly 300 songs there like back in 2015, you know, like it's, uh, even to, to people when they look at all the work I put out last year, they think that's a lot. And to me, I'm like, oh, that was that was a kind of quiet year by by my standards. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, it keeps me sane. You know, it's it's good to, you know, if you have negative negative thoughts or whatever, it's good to just, you know, focus in on the music. You know, that's kind of my hobby as well as well as it being a career or whatever it's a hobby so that's just why i have so much music out because you know a lot of people might play playstation i'll just go and make a song do you have a particular process that you go through to like help yourself come up with new songs yeah different processes sometimes i might you know 
go on YouTube and search in such and such type beat and then be like, oh, I really like this. I can make a song to this. Or other times I'll make a beat myself or I'll, uh, you know, most of the time I spend hours like listening to Spotify, looking for kind of samples of different genres. And then once I find a sample, I put it on FL Studio. And then from there, I'll I'll make a track. And sometimes you make something that sounds like shit. And then other times you make a hit. Like anyone who already follows you will already know that you pretty much do everything from writing the songs to uh, singing them to the beats and the production and to getting the songs out there. Like you're doing that yourself. Uh, what's what's that been like? Like from start to finish, they like learning how to use all the software and making beats and then coming up with the songs and then putting it out there and kind of promoting it yourself. Like there's not many people really that are after taking so much, you have so much control of their artistic output and at the same time being banging out as many kind of songs and stuff as you are? Yeah, I suppose it just goes back to like, you know, not being in into different places. So just, you know, if I didn't know how to do everything myself, like I wouldn't get music out. So I spent like hours on, on YouTube, you know, picking up how to produce and then, yeah, just over time like you pick up stuff if you if you uh research it enough online and that's how i've i, I started making music and do you think that that's uh, partly what draws people to your stuff like when they see that it's it's you doing it and like that's kind of part of the style isn't it like people know that you're making this yourself from start to finish yeah i know how to make like a project cohesive as well like i i think people like cohesive stuff they like uh I'm very kind of project driven, like, you know, I'll, I'll make 12 beats before I even have a, an idea for a song. And then once I have the beats, I'll just be like, right, I'm going to come up with a song for this. And I think that's why people, you know, if you listen to every project, they always sound cohesive uh, production wise, because uh, I, 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 I do that that way on purpose, because certain people, they just love that. Like in the time that we find ourselves in now, where we're all, you know, like, kind of a bit more socially isolated than before that I've definitely found myself more drawn to to like artists that I kind of feel like they're accessible or something or like you're getting to know them kind of a wee bit personally from the way that they're putting themselves out there as opposed to just like some like anonymous band that I'm never going to have any contact with on the other side of the world I've just found myself like looking more to Irish artists and um people whose kind of personality comes across in the way that they're putting their stuff out do you have you found that has been the case for you as well with with the people who are following you over the last year or so yeah definitely you know i get i get a lot of people now you know it, the fan base is kind of different and that like maybe a year year and a half ago all the fans were kind of like uh, you know it was more like i was something to laugh at whereas now it's like i'm something to relate to like i get a good few messages every week where people are like, oh man, you know, I think I'm autistic, you know, thank you so much. When I heard Crack Magic, it made me cry and stuff. And I'd be like, Jesus, you know, it's like really connecting with people. And I think like definitely, you know, when people got fuck all to do, you know, they're going to listen to a lot of music. And fortunately for me, they seem to be coming across my stuff a lot. Has that kind of feedback being a good booster for you like to help keep you going through this time as well yeah definitely because like I I don't get much uh, Irish you know media music media support or whatever compared to what I used to get so it's good to like know that people are hearing the music that I put you know all the effort into and that 
it's it's touching him like that. What impact, like say, do you think has COVID had on on the like the direction of your music and like obviously any of the gigs that you would have had or have all been cancelled and stuff like that? Um, it kind of had a negative impact at the start because I was I was like just coming off the high of doing a tour, you know. I I I'd like done four great gigs around Ireland. I was about to do one in London, which would have been my first like gig gig abroad. But like that got cancelled because uh, like it was the week of COVID, you know. I think I was actually my gig in Galway was actually a lot of people's last gig, funnily enough, which was back in the uh, late February of last year. So it musically I was kinda of, I was just kinda of like this, you know, kinda of in a dark place for a few months. I, I had a few uh, personal problems in my life, so I wasn't really focused on music for a few months. So yeah, it's uh, COVID didn't really help with the music. Was there something about did the guards take down some of your music or something at one point? Yeah, well, like back in the day, like I said, I didn't really care. So I was just saying whatever on tracks and making threats and stuff. And you know, if, if you have a history with the guardian, they see you're on the spectrum. They keep a closer eye to you. So I, I kind of crossed the line with a Trump diss back in the day. Like I, like I, it, it was just comedy to me. But like they, they took it a bit serious and you know i had youtube channels with like five thousand subscribers and i had to take them down because it was i don't know they just it was like the head of the cyber unit rang rang my gaff and they just told me look you, they, they were on to my mam there like he has to take down everything and he has to screenshot all of it and send it to us and uh, i don't even know i know i feel like they were it was a prank in some ways but uh i don't know i, I wasn't i wasn't going to try it anyway <laughs> Did you say that it was because of a Trump diss, like we're Donald Trump dissing Donald Trump? Yeah, this Donald Trump. I used to do these these videos for for celebs, you know, and for politicians. I just never liked Trump, and I did a diss to him, and I, I might have put in a threat or something. Might have said like, "Oh, you come to Ireland, I'll do this and that." And next thing, it, it ended up like the cyber unit were about to like come to my gaff and arrest me and stuff. And put they were saying they were putting me on a terrorist watch list, so I just got rid of everything and went into hiding for a bit. Was that before he was the president or after? Uh, would have been twenty seventeen. So like six months into his uh, presidency. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. What are you doing at the minute? I'm just chilling, like listening to different songs and stuff. And like I said, I like to listen to samples, you know. <coughs> I, I've i had a few ideas for projects over the last few months, but then I, I just get sick of an idea if I don't kind of, if I don't like act on it, you know, within a few weeks, I'm kind of like, nah, that's old stuff. Even if I haven't like put it out and it's a good idea, but I have to be like me myself, like I have to be, happy with what I'm doing you know I, I can't do something that you know isn't fun for me to do so I'm just waiting for the next good idea I have to come along and then I'll, I'll work on another project do you ever get any negative uh kind of feedback or whatever about any of your, your music oh yeah all the time I, I I would say I'm probably the most easy to criticize artists in in Ireland just because because like I, I, I can be quite outspoken, to be fair now, I can be kind of outspoken as well. Like if I feel like I'm not getting a fair opportunity or if I feel like, you know, people aren't living up to their reputation, you know, they say like, you know, this Irish music scene likes to pride itself on on being liberal. But when, when it comes to like issues of abuse against women and stuff, you know, 
people, you know, aren't so quick to call people out in their circles, you know. So I, I sometimes I'd be just getting pissed off. So, you know, people take it the wrong way and, you know, make, make it out that I'm always shitting on the scene. So in turn, I get a lot of criticism for, for the music. And in general, like I've always got criticism, but it doesn't really phase me really because people don't really know me. Is that like people sending you messages and stuff on, on social media? They don't really be that. It'd be like people just being, they'd be passive aggressive and stuff and just just being, they'd just be like, you know, I don't know. I I, I, I can't think of an example, but I know, I know throughout the years I've got enough criticism from different people. Yeah. It's more the rejection as well, you know, never on any hip hop list or never on, you know, any documentary or anything, e- even though like all the people you might have on that documentary or on those lists will say, oh, Crack Boy Mental is class. He kind of he kind of inspired me early on in my music career to to, to keep going. But like they'll, ne- they'll never give me credit. But that just goes back to like the whole journalist kind of thing. I think it's a it's a form of ableism as well, to be honest. Do you think that's partly because of your autism or? Definitely. If you show autistic traits and people feel like you're a joke, they, you know, they, they just won't take you serious and they don't take anything you, you, you say or do serious. People do a lot of gaslighting in general of, of uh, autistic people in, in Irish society. You know, it's, it's like people will like, you know, in school when people would bully like autistic people, it was nearly more honest because they'd be like, oh, I don't like you because you're like this. But as you grow older, you know, people are more passive aggressive with it, you know, like the amount of times I've been hit with the, you know, you're not a real artist or whatever, you know. And I know, you know, because I do the comedy and stuff, people might see it as novelty. But I feel like, you know, you you, you don't be around five, six years, with, you know, if you're just a novelty, you know, you don't be getting bigger every year if you're just, if, you know, I was just a novelty act five years ago and and evolving, but... You know, I, I feel like people just want to place me in the in the novelty kind of lane, so it's, you know they don't have to address like all the shit I'd be saying on crack magic, which is true if you ask anybody with some with some sense. Uh, yeah, as I said, like I feel like Ireland's an ableist place. You know, like all you gotta do is take a look at the statistics. Like you know, like Irish people, like autistic people in Ireland are ten times more likely to take their life eight times more likely to be homeless like you know it's not just paranoia it's 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 true you know people get bullied out of college you know people have disabilities and they can't continue on in college you know and then they they end up you know either relying on drugs or you know all kinds of things are there things that you would like to see change then to try and address that i think uh, people they need to make it more accessible for people to get diagnosed with autism so they can get the support that they need earlier on. You know, like I didn't get diagnosed till I was 20 years old, which, you know, I've been through a lot of trauma by that time. And especially like even with women, you know, people don't, you know, they're they're very slow to diagnose women with autism as well because they kind of see it as as something that only men have. But then, you know, those women... You know, they 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 grow up and end up having problems. You know, end up getting a lot of problems because they're not getting the right support they need. So I think yeah, in Ireland, like they need to put more money into, you know, making it more easily accessible. And you know, you should have a, a 
I know they, they're making an effort now in different places, like uh, Limerick is the first uh, autism-friendly city. They, they, that came into place like a few months back, but they, they should have that for everywhere in Ireland. And just people's attitudes in general towards autistic people need, needs to change, I think. The other side of like the thing you're talking about there, about kind of people um, being passive-aggressive or kind of a bit dismissive of your art and stuff, the other side of that coin is that like you seem to have a really dedicated group of followers now. Yeah, that, that that's the good thing about it as well. Like sometimes I feel like in many ways people kind of leaving me off lists or leaving me off documentaries or something. It kind of makes people gravitate towards me because they're like, oh, he he's like a total outsider. Like he, he like he he nobody you know, in the industry really likes him, but he has, he has all these fans and that just kind of makes him gravitate because, you know, people, people like stuff that they feel like is, is outside the box. And I think, yeah, you'll be, you know, it'd be hard to find too many artists outside the box in Ireland as cracked by mental. That's the cool thing about, I suppose, having the ability to put your own stuff out there and put it on the internet is that like you could be the only like weirdo around in your street or your town or your city or whatever but when you put it on the internet there's like millions of other weirdos out there who are like oh yeah a weirdo just like me <laughs> yeah it's great like even when i go up to dublin like that's that's where i really see how many like people like me there are because like in cork i might do a gig and you might get like 60 70 people out but if i go up to dublin like i'll get 300 people to come to the workmen's i know it's it's not a huge thing but it's like all those fans that are there they're like dedicated and they know every word to every song so it's like it's it's good to see that you know i I have an impact like that anybody that messages me ever like i i always make sure that i that i give them some time because like just because i'm an artist like i'm (laughs) i'm no better than anyone else i just you know there's other people that can relate to it. And I just, you know, it's nice to have discourse and stuff. And I've made a lot of friends throughout the way that I wouldn't have made had it not been for the music and stuff. Here, Where did you come up with the Christmas song? Uh, the Christmas time in Cork. Uh, yeah. I think I just heard a beat one day. I was actually sitting on the toilet and I was just going through beats and I was like, you know, I kind of came up with the melody and, you know, I had the melody before I knew it was going to be about Christmas. And then it was like, and I I could feel that it was ending in kind of arc, that kind of a sound. And I was like, oh shit, I could make that into a Christmas song. So then I just recorded it, recorded a video. And then like within two days of coming up with the idea, it was, it was out. How did the, um, the Kojak, this song come, come about? That was ages ago. He asked for it. Like he, he, he messaged me and he was like, "Hey, because uh, he thought I was doing it for others." And he was like, "Will you, will you do a diss for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, grand." <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did one for him. I did one for him, and he shared it, and and that's a that's a uh, that one. But no, I don't, I don't really. Yeah, no, I I never really had a problem. I don't really know him to be honest. So it's just he asked, and I was like, "Oh, grand, you know, he has he has a bit of a name around the place. This will be good." For for my own brand, so yeah, I, I, I gave him a diss. Who else have you dissed apart from Donald Trump? Uh, there's a whole like uh, back catalogue on him. <laughs> there's a channel called uh, R.I.P. Dude with Swag, and it's basically it's basically got all the content that was uh, taken down 
during that time when the Gardaí told me to season assist or whatever that is, they, they told me to take down everything. And some, someone in the States, a few people in the States, they've uploaded all that content. So I, I, I have no control over it. But yeah, there's like, there's endless amount of like this, this ones and stuff. It's, it's, it's kind of negative. It's, I've kind of moved, moved away from it as well. What's the best way for people to follow you? And also, what way do you want people to support your work? Um, I suppose Instagram at the moment, I'm kind of doing, uh, well, I'm kind of doing this series called Crack Speaks, just where I speak on different things affecting autistic people and just whatever I feel at the time. So the, the Instagram is a good platform, Crack Boy Mental. Uh, the Twitter, I have like uh, 12 accounts on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can follow the main one, Crack Boy Mental. I have another one on it that I kind of rant a bit, but I'm staying away from that now this year because got me in too much trouble. I'm just going to shut up this year. And, <laughs> and what what trouble Instagram. did you get in? It's just like going back to like just talking shit about the scene and talking shit about not being on lists and on documentaries. And I, I, I like, I like, I never talked about the autism stuff for like four or five years or when I was making music. But now that I have, I'm like, it's nearly like all I talk about. And I think like, I, it's it's to the detriment of my music career on Twitter anyway because people are sick of it. I think so. I'm just trying to, you know. Just do less online and do more music. Your music is on Bandcamp as well. Yeah, Bandcamp is great, great place for uh, people if they want to support me and actually, you know, purchase all the music that they hear for free. You know, it's, it's great to get a bit of support on that because it helps. You know, I, I hope that, uh, you know, that my music continues to inspire people or even, you know, just give them a laugh or whatever. I don't mind, you know. I just I, I I find music is just it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I know sometimes you can get caught up in oh why isn't this happening, you know, why why aren't I getting bigger, why am I not more successful? But at the end of the day, once it's fun, that's all that really matters and that's that's why I'll continue doing it. This episode of the Rebel Matters podcast was presented by me, Anne Carlan, and produced by Vicky Langan. The Rebel Matters podcast is 100% funded by our followers over on Patreon, and we are very grateful for that support. If you'd like to become a patron, then you can find us on www.patreon.com forward slash Rebel Matters, where you can see the various tiers of support that you can choose from. Every single bit of support that we get here at the Rebel Matters podcast means a lot to us and really does help to keep the show on the road. Anyway, that's all for me this week. So, Gajian Kedarella, Akarja, Slan Gafoil, August Kenny Fiore.